Yeah, here. We're fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Get in the Garage. It's a music podcast. For music lovers and haters. Haters. Today, I oh. feel like it's going to be a mixed It's going to be a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag today. Um, so, starting it off today, Jeff made a suggestion selection. It is the 25th anniversary, right, of the Third Eye Blind album. Were we not talking about that one? I mean, I listened to it. Are we talking about that? Oh, no, I thought we were we talking were. about Luke's albums. I thought we were going to do like one half. Oh. Just to do quick I thought we were going to do blind. two Cause segments. Because you, you talk, I mean, you think very that, highly of this album, so I figured let's let's cut you loose, baby. Let's let you talk about the the three IV. That was a joke suggestion. Oh, <laughs> but we but I listened to it twice this week, so okay. we can talk about. It. I mean, we can talk about it if you want. Do you, you like gonna... this record? I love this record. All right, so mm. why I'm why not, the joke suggestion then? Because I assumed you guys would be like third eye blind, fuck third eye blind. We're not talking about third eye blind. <laughs> well, let's talk Listen, about it because let's, let's get into the nitty gritty. Because <laughs> on the low key, me oh, and Mike, now I'm now I'm sweating. I'm happy. I, me I, and I'm Mike, not prepared. <laughs> I'm not prepared at all. Oh, because it's, it. it's jazz, me, baby. Now me and Mike are prepared for a second. Oh, good. Uh, for the first time. For the ever. first time. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it yesterday, so I'm prepared enough. I guess. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I gave it a listen. Me and I gave Mike, it a brief. I gave. It is, I didn't. I didn't deep dive. Yeah. So it yesterday, April eighth was the 25th anniversary of Third Eye Blind self-titled debut, released April eighth, nineteen ninety-seven, in the uh, the prime of my youth. Yeah. I was nine years old, or just about to be nine years old. Um, on this was a ubiquitous, ubiquitous radio rock album. Yeah. Um, semi-charmed life, huge '90s hit. Jumper was a huge song. Um, how's it gonna be? Was like kind of on the radio on that's a big pop song. rock radio. That's a big song. I hope it's a big song because it's one of my favorite '90s songs of all how's time. How's it gonna be? I love. Yeah. I can't explain to you how much I love that song and how mi- much it makes me feel like I'm nine years old again. Mm. So this record, me, this and, record, yeah. me and Michael, <laughs> hit, hit, <laughs> this is very. I'm very so, caught off guard. <laughs> that was a full <laughs> joke suggestion. <laughs> So right, so me and Michael are like, jokes on you. I didn't see a thumbs up, so I assumed you guys got I the liked joke. It. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I was like, oh, okay. So I listened to this record, <laughs> okay. and I'm like, yeah. I'm I, I I'm conflicted because I'm like, Jeff says he likes this record, I you know, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, I fucking like the sing like it was rolling good, and then mm. when I got to the second half of it, I'm like, this is a real dragger for me. Mm. Once there's no more hits, mm. but then I was like. Man, and I, so I call Mike. And I'm like, Mike, you like this fucking record? And Mike's like, I don't know, man. I don't really like this fucking record. <laughs> <laughs> we're like trying to like figure, like figure it out. Like what, you know, what's yeah. the? And I'm like, t- we're talking. I'm like, I, lo- I love the singles. The singles are great. Yep. And then I'm like, so then, you know, whatever. I'm like, I'm gonna listen to it a couple more times. So I listened to it two more times after that, and I listened to it in a reverse order. So backwards mm. up, Luke in the reverse orders, man. And then I listened to it um, forwards down again. Yeah. Um, and I liked it way more on on that listen, but from, um, fr- from front to back rather than back to front. Well, you think? once I listened to it like down up, because then like you get like more familiar with like the things on the on the B side of the album, like you you know yeah. in the end of the album, the the album closer first is like more of a like you know reverse statement. Yep. Um, and I liked it way better after that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but like, uh, I think the main thing here is like, you were like, this was a big album for me in that, in those years mm-hmm. where like this one for like me and Mike, I was like, I, I'm like way more into that Goo Goo Dolls album, uh, Dizzy oh. Up the Girl from around this time. Right. Where you give me scrunchy face on that one where I'm like, cause I think I'm more familiar with it. I don't mind the singles off that, but I like, I like Steven Jenkins voice. I don't really like the it's- Goo Goo Dolls guy's voice. Well, cause it's like that raspy. Yeah. And this guy's more like Stephen Jenkins sounds like the SoCal douche that he is. Yeah. Like the way he does yeah. certain vowels and stuff, it's very Californian. It's, yeah, California. Yeah, it's like, all right, man, just don't harsh my vibe. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right, what it sounds right. like. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with you, though. Um, the, the album, like, 
I would say the first nine, it's 14 tracks. The first nine for me are like perfect, perfect, uh, up through good for you. And then London on is like the deep cuts for the real fans. Yo, yeah. that's that's how yeah. I felt. I felt like London was like the weakest song on this record. Yeah. Um, this is me. Obviously, I've never listened to this record again. Like, this is mm. another one. But um, yeah, like London for me felt weak. But like, mm. um, I want you was like a good mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. late in the album mm-hmm. uh, track. I really liked that one. It had a really catchy poppy chorus. Um, and like uh, God of Wine was the album yeah, closer. The closer. It was it was that was a heavy ass song, man. And it yeah. had a lot to do with like the al- album theme. Mm-hmm. I don't think I was giving this album enough credit because I kind of thought it was one hit wonder like radio rock. But a lot of the songs have a lot of like real lyrical content about like yep. substance abuse and like, um, uh, you know, there's suicide jumper, um, all those kind of things. And I-, I thought it was a consistent album. The songs were good. There wasn't a lot on it that was like, I hate this. Maybe mm-hmm. that song like London, I didn't enjoy it all. But yeah. I don't know. Like I'm, my haterade was like it was hard for me to sip the haterade the more I listened to it. So, yeah, I think the production on it is just so well done. That oh, was yeah. the thing for me when I listened to this album. You know, I mean, that's the thing is like you can listen to records and maybe not necessarily connect to the say the songs themselves. Um, but you know what we do, you know we you know try to capture the entire body of work and something that you have to add in as a factor 100% is the production quality mm-hmm. and the production quality for this is great man like all the levels sound great all the guitars sound nice and crisp it you know I mean um, and the hits are just hits like they're just great mm-hmm. songs you know what I mean like they're they're they kind of they, you know they sound so 90s mm-hmm. that you, they're kind of undeniable you know what I mean um, yeah. I did find myself kind of wanting to listen to like Oasis after this. I did kind of find myself oh, okay. wanting to listen to, sp- I did say spin, we talked spin doctors yesterday for a hot <laughs> minute. I know Jeff's not a big spin doctors guy, but, uh, I got a pocket full of kryptonite. <laughs> I like times, the, I like the three so. songs on that album. Or, or, Loomis can't be wrong. Loomis can't be wrong. Jimmy Olsen's blues yeah. are both great songs. Yeah. Two princes. Eh, it's okay. And then the rest of the album for me is like, uh, yeah, I own it. I did buy it for a dollar at a Goodwill once. <laughs> I have on, I have it on cassette upstairs, um, and I bought their second album for a dollar. So who's as the well. idiot? The then? same day. The well, let me tell you, you think the first album was rough for me? The second album, you're like another hour of this. What oh the fuck? God. It's like, oh, she can be wrong. Yeah, like, she, oh, she was uh, wrong. She was more, wrong the whole thank time. Thank you. Twice as much slap bass. Um, but but yeah, it's. I think it. Uh, listening back to it, mm. it 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 um it definitely put me back in in a time in like I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I listened to this album to give me this sort of how can I put it? It wasn't really a time and place album for me in the way where I was like really into it at a certain time in my life. As much as it's just like, oh no, this these a couple of these songs. It was like the background music to my childhood. You know what I mean. So, I wasn't heavy into Third Eye Blind, but um, but definitely it just it yeah it sounds like, you know, like I just watched an episode of Rugrats. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's like that. It's it's that. It's that whole thing. Like uh, so this album, like you said, it kind of has like that background equality, and I feel like it almost. It does, but at the same time, the lyrical content of it is, like, what is, like, pushing it to, like, the level of, like, this album is really good. Because, like, lyrically, this album is – it's all heavy hitters, and, like, the subjects he's talking about are, like, you know, and it's well done, and they're, like, thoughtful um, and hard to talk about. Um, I wanted to super shout out the huge – giant single on this record semi-charmed kind of life for having the most vulgar lyrics accepted on the radio since <laughs> aerosmith's walk this way oh it's i thought it was so... gonna say aerosmith's lord of your thighs <laughs> uh, lord of your thighs that wasn't good was enough not to be a on big radio. single thank you it should have been walk this way is like one of the filthiest songs that gets played yeah, on the radio sure. every day this is also one of them mm. um yeah i'd like to can if 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 we Please. have a favorite gross a, line in the quote. song, yeah. uh, coming up your back, it was one of the nastiest lines that I picked out in the mm. song. Um, she oh. comes around and she goes down on me. <laughs> yep. I didn't have one prepared. I'm sorry. Um, I'm trying to think. 
Little red panties, they pass a test, slide up around your belly, face down on the mattress. Yes, yeah, that was another one. That's right before the yeah, bridge. That's like, can I take a back there to but it's, <laughs> But it happens so fast, you're like, I think they, they might bleep like two of the little words in this for radio. But all all of those things, yeah, like that slips. line was but in, they fool was on you the though anyway because it's like it just sounds like it's just like such happy music. Yeah, it was where about him like, oh. being a homeless squatter in a commune, I think it's San Francisco it, and doing meth. Yeah, also it very much heavily like it references it references crystal meth. Also, the interesting thing about the song too is the do 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 is a play on Lou Reed's "Walk on the Wild Side." Do. Yeah. I watched that video yesterday. Which is... See, I didn't think we were talking about this album, and I still did, I still did a lot of research. <laughs> well, this is the thing, though. I like this album. Because, like, I'm, like, listening to this album, and the first listen, I'm like, this album is horseshit bullshit. But then I'm, like, listening to it more, and I'm, like, trying to, like, really... And there's a, there's a lot of great content on this record. It's really yeah. not a horseshit record. It's really no. good. You mentioned Oasis. Like, I think Oasis is good, but I think these songs are... They're just for me in a different league of wordplay mm. and topics and cleverness and like melodic whatever. Because a lot of the a lot of Oasis is like straight up like Beatles paint by numbers. Yeah, musically. Yeah. And yeah, this yeah. is like I love the sound of this record. I love the layers of guitars because every track is like four overdubs of different guitar sounds and like everything's like it's like even the the cleans sometimes are so cleaned up that they sound like hollow like um burning man it's like ding ding oh that's so like when it's laid back it's like sounds like a cheap five dollar guitar and then it hammers in with the overdrive distortion stuff yeah burning man great track on this record one of the definite highlights of this mm. record yeah it threw me for a loop because i was like because i don't i haven't really listened to this record yeah, yeah. in full anyway you know so i just i know the hits whatever but yeah listening back to it i was pretty surprised where i was like oh this is kind of heavy like this mm. is oh okay this isn't just a this isn't just like a radio rock 90s yeah. pop song this is actually you know it's got some meat on it you know so also i found this record uh like a lot of like the emo bands your mm. jimmy eat worlds mm. and uh all those kind of mm. bands that came later um sound a lot like this record i know jimmy eat world yeah. is all, pretty much of the same era having i think their first release is 99 or 98 mm. but um it, it you know it sounds a lot of like the later like hot topicy like emo bands that were yeah. like really big. This record is. I know the guy who who co-produced this record, Al- Eric Valentine. Um, he was Smash Mouth's producer. There you go. Somebody. <laughs> so uh, all sma- of the, all of their records. <laughs> music news, music news. Oh, Smash Mouth got a new singer, guys. No. Yes, there was a big how, press release and everything. They, how can they fill that? Void that bloated alcoholic <laughs> void. <laughs> Yo, that <laughs> somebody. He just, he just drops the beer. Oh leaving. my god! Next Breaking thing I know, news. Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray is going to be replaced yeah, next. What, what's this world coming to? <laughs> oh, I got more music news on that later. Okay, oh, um, on, the, on the Mark McGrath front. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, so the the sound of this record is. Uh, I I love the sound of this record. It's not, it it holds up. It doesn't sound dated. It sounds like this could come out today. Um, and yeah, I, I actually wasn't into this, the album until the end of high school. Mm. Like I knew the radio singles and then the girl I dated, um, at the end of high school and into college was a huge fan of this. Cause this was an album that like her parents would have in the car mm-hmm. and play. Um, so she was like a big fan of motorcycle drive by, which is like the last second to last track on the album. So I started getting into this in a deeper way when I was like 18, 19. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this is like the perfect record for the middle of April, going spring, going to summer, windows yeah. down. And it's bad. Like, it, yeah. you know, like you said it, I mean, it was in, it was in her parents' car. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it's such a, it's such an accessible kind of music. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you want, if you just want like pop rock radio hits, you get that. But there is some substance there too, so it can definitely yeah. span. And I kind of like the track you know? listing because it is like hit you over the head, kind of very melodic pop rock for the first two thirds, and then the last couple tracks are 
kind of like the come down off that and they are like a little a lot more subtle and like kind of darker and less catchy and all that stuff yeah, yeah absolutely it's kind of like mm. um i mean i could have used like a cut of like two songs and then like mm. would have been like high perfect status for me right it sits a little long it's the, the 90s, play time. every 90s album was 15 dude that's tracks. what i fucking yeah, said to mike dude seven minutes i said that the same way i was seconds. like they felt like they needed to fucking ram yeah. 15 songs on it to justify the 1999 price but like man i yeah, disagree but it was also, it's also the era of cds where you could fit 16 to yeah, 18 just, tracks I, on yeah because you could I it. you could fit what 78 minutes on a cd or yeah, something i'm right. just yeah. i'm not so, in, i'm not into that era of like album no. it's just too much yeah ult- so what did i say 14 or 15 tracks like ultimately it would be yeah, 14 a, maybe a better album if it was 12 right mm-hmm. but i mean but i listened to it a few times this week and I'll listen to it. <laughs> so how's it gonna be? It's def- I'm telling you, one of the best songs it, it, that's, of the '90s. That was one of my favorite Straight songs up. in there. Straight up, I'm definitely the toy piano. I'm gonna definitely gonna say Burning Man was my favorite track. Yeah, that's that guitar sound. I mean, it's like that cheap hollow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely dug that. I love the opener too, man. I definitely like how it made me like. Oh yeah. That like the whole that's that's what I liked Thanks, the, about the the record is it's like you yeah. could really take it on two levels you could take it on like the it's a great pop record and then uh, underneath it it's uh, a record about losing a whole year of your life to drugs yeah. and alcohol abuse yeah. I like narcolepsy the second track I mean I love this yeah. album but that's nar- what I'm saying like, narcolepsy is like in this one like time dun, 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 and then he holds a note and do it and then go dun, dun, and now it's faster and like at a, a different feel. Um, yeah, I love this record, man. Yeah, this is like a not guilty pleasure for me. Yeah, it's a power pop. I love that. I love that Wikipedia puts it alternative rock, post grunge, power pop because this is a power pop album. It, yeah. it definitely is power poppy. It's and it's got like um, a lot to do with like the way. Weezer's first two albums were written. That's why I told Mike that the yeah. secret three best albums of the '90s: Third Eye Blind, self-titled, Weezer's first blue album, and Foo Fighters' Color and the Shape. Because they're actually all three are closer to like the Cars and music of that new wave power pop era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I'm excited to talk about that later too, with like mm-hmm. the lyrical content of some of the other bands we're going to be yes talking about. This good fine morning. Yeah, that was a good yeah. visit. Twenty fifth yeah. anniversary, third eye blind. Check yeah, it check out, it out, man. Let's um, let's take a quick break. I'm gonna now. take a a quick break. We'll take now, a quick, take a quick. Oh, break whole now. car. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a quick break right now, and then we'll come back and we'll do the whole rundown of Luke's picks. Can I give you my music news before I go? Yeah, let's hear it. Mark McGrath, right? Yeah, Mark McGrath. Check out this Rolling Stone article about private gigs where Mark McGrath is heavily uh, quoted. Um, it's in the New Rolling Stone, which is around here somewhere. But it's anyway, right it's, um, like, it's all about private gigs and how these guys are getting like <laughs> up to half a million dollars to do private corporate rock gigs. And he's like, it's great. It's really great. I get paid a bunch of money. It's great. Uh, Every morning and, there's a- Yeah, right. It's like- it's, But um, check out the article. half a mil for Sugar Ray. It's really fascinating. Um, Sugar Ray had hits, man. They had like four or five. Dude, Sugar Ray has have- way more hits than yeah. you even think there is. I'm not saying is. that they didn't have hits. I'm just saying half, half a million dollars Put worth of hits. Put your arms around me, baby. But um, check out the article. <laughs> I guess if you're having like a, you it know, really, like a tiki- Summer. That's, that's the soundtrack. The corporate uh, gala. Well, the thing that's is, classic rock now. Is uh, uh, you know, the artists oh are getting paid a, a lot of money for this, and it's like, um, it's kind of weird because like it's not like it's almost putting like rock and roll not in the hands of the people anymore, mm-hmm. and um, it's like a uh. You, it's yeah. getting to the point where you are almost never going to get to see your favorite artist unless you shell out a couple a hundreds of dollars. That's been an ongoing problem, though, anyway, with, like, with like Ticketmaster and stuff, with like the way that they well, charge. Also, and... check out the John Oliver did a piece on Ticketmaster like a week ago. So I think like those two combined things yeah. are very interesting if you're into that kind of thing and get real yeah. nerdy and granular on like, like ticket pricing and everything. It's funny, though, how it was like, you know, you have the, the big sort of record label who are 
you know, in the earlier days, quote unquote, you would like have these big bloated record labels just like fucking over these artists. And it's like no matter what, business finds a way to fuck over the artists. Like no matter what it is, like in in all its its its, its pathways and and different forms and all that. Because I think I mean we were talking about it yesterday, where like you know, and we we disagreed to a certain extent of just how like you know I think that the tide has turned at least in the sense that like artists seems artists seem to be more in control of their music in the sense of like having the ability to like release things independently and kind of having more creative control over like what kind of sound they want to put out there because they have that. But you were, you were kind of contrary to what I was saying. And I mean, right in that way too, because like, if you think about it though, the mainstream, like the big mainstream of music, it's still, it's still kind of like that. You know what I mean? In terms of, you know, like, the record label kind of like being like yeah well you should really try and do this you know like you should really like wink 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 you know unless you're like a well soundcloud rapper or something that's the whole it is what it is yeah that's my view yeah what are who cares i talk about the chess moves of of billionaires that's what i'm saying it's it's the it's it's the chess moves of 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 billionaires it's uh you know it's just it's weird it's a weird time hey that's weird so uh a last thing on the 25th anniversary and the idea that Third Eye Blind is classic rock now. The gap between like Elvis Presley's Hound Dog and let's say uh Led Zeppelin's fourth album, Zoso. Yeah. That is a smaller gap between those two than now to the Third Eye Blind album record. Wow. Yeah, because nice. if you think fifty six, sixty six 76 is only 20, 20 24 years. years and then this wow that's what i mean yikes <laughs> so we think we think of shit like nirvana Al- alanis morissette you know yeah. soundgarden as like our music but like that's like someone in the mid 80s being like well yeah that old fogey music yeah. from 1948 <laughs> like yeah. that's like really what it's like uh, that cab cow time as as steve miller said Time keeps on ticking, ticking, ticking. Into the future. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Peaks is a show in which comedians have lively discussions about the most memorable peak periods of the actors, musicians, and athletes that dominated pop culture. John Koppel and a guest break down what each celebrity accomplished, why that person's work resonated with so many of us, will cause the peak to end, and so much more. All of Season 1 is out now for your binging pleasure, and Season 2 features breakdowns of icons like Mike Tyson, John Candy, and Leonardo DiCaprio. You can subscribe to Peaks wherever you listen to your podcast, and as always, it's brought to you by our friends at the Wasted Robot Network. Welcome back. Now we're going to get into our main segment. Yes. Which is... uh. Going from our long, tool, dense music episode, uh, we asked Luke to pick out three of his favorite shorter albums. Um, so Luke picked three punk albums from 1983, and we all listened to all three, and we're going to talk about them. The, well, the uh, replacements are from 83. The... All three records were 83. Were they? I did I thought the, the research. I thought the... Fa- Violent Femmes is 83. 83. I thought the other two... Replacements is 83. Minutemen, it says 2006, which I know. That's the reissue. Is that 82? 83. Oh, I did pick them all in 83. Nice. Good for me. Yeah, good for you. I thought they were all too wear off and what was different. Great job. But I did choose these three (laughs) because they were all like under 35 minutes, um, and they are all interesting punk records. They're not uh, all in the punk formula, loud, fast, gnarly. They are all different very different textures and um mm. i thought they were all incredibly influential records yeah. on your some of the most famous bands that would come later this is also like the lost era of alternative and underground music it has like no um you know big press you can't buy the t-shirts at target mm. is what i'm really saying yeah um and um yeah so that's why i wanted to talk about them and they're all short and i guess that makes them Easier to listen to because they might be a bit more on the challenging side. It made some of them easier to listen to. On the challenging side of the listening spectrum. <laughs> I loved it. 
But um, I love this assignment. Why I, don't you pick pick uh, one to start off with? Let's start off with probably the easiest one of the bunch, which would I would imagine would be the Violent Femmes record. It's probably the one that um people are most familiar with. This is their um first album that was released. Um, they are from Minneapolis. Minneapolis, no. Mini Minneapolis. They're from Minnesota, I believe. Mm. One of those M's. But um, Michigan, Montana, Michigan. I don't know where they're from. I was I was just putting oh. an M name out. I know one was from Milwaukee. <laughs> like one Michigan. was from Minneapolis. <laughs> I don't know where they. Milwaukee. That's Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Bark twice place through Milwaukee. 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 For the good earth. <laughs> uh, they're from Milwaukee. Um, this record was released on uh, Slash Records as well. A uh, big LA independent uh, record label. Um, so. This band is interesting because there's like no electric instruments on this record, really. There is not a full yeah, drum set on this album. The drummer plays like a snare cocktail type kit, um, almost like a bucket drummer type thing. Mm. Um, so what I find most interesting about this band is they kind of take, um, I think we were saying before the mics were on, that uh, they t- kind of take the personal acoustic-y heartfelt on your sleeve uh, modern lovers approach, um, and then mix that with a healthy dose of free jazz and world music, um, and I feel like you get a great band that was influenced by the Ramones and Ornette Coleman and like um, say your Bob Dylan's of the world um, all in one, and that's kind of what this record is. Uh, the big single that people know off this record is "Blister in the Sun." Um, I think everybody's heard that song. Um, and, uh, and it wasn't really a big single. So that's another fascinating thing about this record. Yeah. Cause it's, it's an underground sleeper. This album sold was platinum by the nineties. This was released in 83. It was platinum by the nineties and only made a, an appearance on the charts at 179. So that's a really hard feat to do actually mm. for an independent record. Yeah. The, I feel like it definitely is like, I mean, so shout out to our man, George Bruderman of the feel feelings podcast but he he does that like acoustic folk punk kind of thing and i think this is sort of like the ground layer for that yeah it's the grand, you, it's definitely the grandfather of it yeah right because it's because i didn't even re- like it was and it's funny too because this album was like a, a heavy spin in my household when i first got my turntable because jade has this that's my copy her copy i should say sorry and uh <clears throat> and you know i mean the opening track obviously you know it's the one I'm probably the most familiar with, um, but I didn't realize that. Yeah, like all, like this entire album is like pretty much all acoustic guitar stuff, and I I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I think it definitely also paved the way for. I don't I don't maybe it's a stretch. I don't know, guys. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like you know, you had that like the Lumineers, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. You had like this sort of like folky kind of resurgence thing that happened in like 2000 but i'm saying like it's it's kind of that crusty folk punky kind of thing i mean obviously those bands that i had meant like the mumford and sons and stuff like that's it's a it is different right it's not i wouldn't consider it in the same genre but Mm. it's like hammering out on acoustic guitars like popish kind of punkish kind of song like you know acoustic with attitude kind of thing yeah this is i would say this is punk in the way that it's like it sounds it's very diy it's very lo-fi is not really the word but it's rough around the edge um and it sounds like three guys maybe like traveling the country in a van and just like busking city to city yeah with acoustic guitars because like nothing is like locked into the grid like timing wise and it's very loose but it's the collective is all together there's uh some call and response harmonies and um and it's very much it sounds like kind of maybe the lead singer was like the main songwriter and the creative brain of it but uh yeah, just sound. It sounds like if you took a punk band and you said go acoustic for the next three weeks traveling around the country. Yeah, like I don't. Yeah. So it was because I expected when Luke said they're punk albums, I expected like more. What I think, which is like anarchist, like loud, messy, sh- you know, shitty, like quality, quality. <laughs> like let's be real. Yeah. Um, but this was like much more like, um easier to listen to it's very you know summary and all that kind of stuff um, it's definitely a good entry level album i yeah, think and the acoustic also, thing was 
Yeah. Like we were talking about like uh, how that Third Eye Blind record was influenced by like the Weezer songwriting. Mm -hmm. The Weezer songwriting was sure. very heavily influenced by records like this record because yeah. you have songs like Added are uh, yeah uh, was that Kiss Off yeah. where he's naming all the uh, the pills that he's taking and for what reasons one because she left me mm -hmm. two for my family three for my headaches you know yeah. all that mm -hmm. No Tomorrow like that great count up in the song like you guys were saying before was is great but it has all that like. My life is like um, awkward and miserable and high schooly and all that stuff um, in like a real open in a front way. And I feel like a lot of punk mm. alternative people were like, well, I'll tell you why the government sucks, but I'm not going to tell you why my, my personal feelings. Yeah. yeah, why my personal life is a mess. And this yeah. record's like, I'll tell you why my personal life is a mess. And um, yeah. I think that's a fascinating um, breakthrough in uh, songwriting for yeah. that whole kind of movement. Yeah, and Luke mentioned one a band that I really enjoyed, which is the Modern Lovers, which was um, another mostly acoustic, uh, like four piece proto punk band from the mid seventies. Um, this reminded me of the Modern Lovers. It also kind of reminded me of like acoustic, kind of slightly sloppy covers of like Kinks songs. Yep, because it had yeah. a lot of that. Well, it has Beatles great harmonies at times, and like yeah. Like the bass would be like, boom, 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 like keeping mm. like the crawly melody and like the please don't go, like please, please, mm. please do not go. Mm. That's so Beatles. -y. The way the guy sang remind me of the guy from the Kinks. Yeah, very emotive and like uh, and the tone, the 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 exact like the voice sounded so similar. Yeah, mm. that definitely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then um, even like further like um, Narles Barkley who had the hit. Uh, crazy oh, yeah. uh, Gone Daddy Gone is on that record um, which is a cover from this original Violent Femmes uh, like xylophone and stuff yeah, yeah and I just think this record has like everything to do with like Weezer and all like uh, the emo movement in a big way because it's just lyrically it's so a facing of you know yeah. all, all of that stuff and too it's one of the most interesting sounding records of that era it's mm. very like college rocky yeah um it's very like intellectual campusy kind of thing like the drummer would wear like um i think the drummer or the bass player would wear like the um uh, like the african garbs all the time and like these like you know crazy outfits and i think it kind of yeah. had like um a world music aspect to it and saxophony yeah. jazzy xylophone it's uh interesting so it's yeah. a big palette any favorite songs particularly stick out i like that one that has the the counting the one one, one but yeah that was two. my that's probably Kiss that's off. probably my favorite one and, and blister then, in the sun that's the, yeah that's a big one for a reason it's yeah yeah so probably you know so you know um i really like add it up um I, lo okay. I just love the add it up. I'm gonna add it up. Um, also, the great, like, why can't I get just one fuck? Why can't I get all that yeah. stuff? Is yeah. like, you know, it's really vulgar, but also, like, you know, it's a nerd. It's that whole thing. It's mm -hmm. really yeah. well done. Yeah. Great. This is a great record. Yeah. Here, here. Um, Let's, yeah. Shall we? Number two. Number two. <laughs> I'll let Mike, I'll pun, let Mike intro. Pun intro intended. <laughs> uh,. The, the the soundtrack to shitting yourself in a bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actually what was played when Gigi <laughs> Allen died on the sidewalk. Uh, yeah, right. This is a, this is not even as like nearly as no, hardcore as that. This is like no, no. I know. Gigi Allen makes so would what, fucking make fun of the What's the second band. record? We're so the second about. record again, also released in 1983, is the album Hootenanny by the band The Replacements. Uh, this was an album that I've always I've always heard about the replacements, but I never actually listened to them. And very, me too, and my life was better. <laughs> very contrary to what Jeff's opinion of this album is, I love this album. I loved it. It's sleazy. It's gross. It's like looking at like spit on a road. It's like it's so just, it's gross. And I love it. We move any any more forward. This is not... The, and it's not hardcore. This not, is not yeah. the critical acclaimed replacements no. record. That would be the yeah. next record, Let It Be. Um, uh, and the other one would probably be Please to Meet Me behind Mike's head right Please there. So those those are probably like the two like big, giant, like great replacements records. This record, though, we'll get into it, is the start-off kickoff of all of that. Yeah, so I think the thing with this album is <laughs> it's their second album as well. The so. second, the thing, yeah, that, I, I don't know. I think the thing about this is, is like it's just it just is what it is, and it's just this, it's this body of work that is just 
gross and gritty and grimy and I just I lo- I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm just a sucker for it. I loved it. I loved it so 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 much. So this is a punk record as well, but musically this is like um this is closer to like the standard rock and roll sound of that early And I think 80s that's time. why I liked it though cuz I I like the callbacks to the rock, the sort of classic mm-hmm. rock and roll. Because we're saying it's grimy and gross, but that's more most because it's like because these members are grimy. Yeah, the members are alcoholic <laughs> assholes, and yeah, you know, famously like would miss call times and be late to shows and be so sloppy at shows that they like would stop after five songs and or not play any one of their songs the entire set and play half covers that they like could half play. <laughs> um, yeah, and this band uh, fronted by Paul Westerberg and. Uh, this band is from where? Minneapolis? This band is from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they are on the famous Twin Tone record label out of that city. Yeah, and I'll I'll just say like the ten seconds into the first track, which I think is called Hoot Nanny, um, I was like Good God, this is going to be the longest half hour of my life. <laughs> and um, But then I did do the research, and I looked that, like, specifically for only this first track, every member of the band played a different instrument. <laughs> so, like, the drummer is playing lead guitar, and the rhythm guitar player is playing bass, and the singer is playing drums, and, and it straight up sounds like absolute dog shit. And uh, I did not like this record. I would never listen to this record again. I do not like music like this. I actually like dirty, angry, messy, like aggressive punk music way more than I like just like, this is like rock and roll played by guys who can't really play their instruments to me. And it just sounds like they're drunk idiots and just like can barely get through their own songs even though they have (laughs) studio time and they can go back and edit things like, uh, it's not for me. I don't like drunk people, though. So, like, I listen to this album, and 10 seconds in, I go, yeah, there's a bunch of drunk idiots. Fuck this album. This is why I really enjoyed this record. <laughs> because... The yin and the yang here. If you... If this band... If this was the last record this band would have made, right, they just would have been a garage band that made a couple records, right? Yeah. But they were there's hints of like the it's the self-sabotageness it's the it's all of that baked into it which which it's which is what i think makes it great like the title cut who nanny is they're all switching instruments and it's the first two and a half minutes of this album it's a piss take um it's not serious it's not um it's it's not putting on any airs it's just like we're gonna have a good time and then it you know, hits you with like real songs in there. They're sloppy. Um, I feel like the drunkness of the replacements being drunk on their records. I feel like I know it's going to be like it's going to not sound great, but in a way, the artistic nature of a musician that is drunk is usually never really that picked up in their career, even though it happens to a lot of people. Right, and so this band was like, "I sound like that every night. I'm gonna sound like it on the goddamn record." Which you gotta, saw, I mean, you don't have to respect it. You don't have to like it, but I feel like it's a different form of the painting. You know what I mean? It's a yeah, different. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. we listened to like a live video, and the live video, I was like, I wish the record sounded like this because yeah. that particular night they well, were on top of their shit, and like they sound like they're a cohesive like and on then, the beat and like and then in there it lies the mystery of the replacements on some night they were the best band that you ever would have saw in your entire life mm-hmm. and then on most nights they were the worst band that ever existed so <laughs> they had it in you but it's the it's the would do I want you know what i mean yeah. it's it's that whole thing also to be noted the bass player on this record is only about 14 or 15 years old um so that's yeah. another pretty interesting fact of later to go on to play with Guns N' Roses for about 15 years. Yes. On Tommy Stinson on, on Chinese democracy. democracy on nothing good. On nothing good. <laughs> Ironic to them so. I bought Terrible. the CD when it came out the day it came out. Did you? Yes. What? Monday morning. I think I I think I came late to school just so I could go to Best Buy to get it as soon as they opened. I need to pause this podcast right now. Are you telling me, do you still think Chinese Democracy is a better record than this record? Yes. Oh, oh my God. Get out of Shots here. Fired. Shots yes. fired. Shots fired. 
Get out. But I also think Chinese Democracy is better than both Use the Illusion albums. Whoa. Wow. GNR episode coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. I get up around seven. (laughs) (laughs) They only have one good album and one good EP. End of Appetite, baby. Appetite for but yes, yeah, so my, which is what this band had an appetite yeah, for I destruction. Yeah, <laughs> the thing is, man, I rock and roll and all that stuff. But like, I don't know the legend and the hero worship of people's bad behavior. That's one thing. But like, straight up, I had heard the replacements. I had never gone out of my way to listen to any of their music. I would listen to this for thirty five minutes, and I went, "Yeah, musically, this is kind of dog shit." So fuck this. Mm. And that's just like, so I don't know. But that's me, and that's my personal taste. Yeah, because I just like they. I felt like you could go harder into what they were doing, be sloppier and messier, or clean it up and be closer to like Motley Crue and shit like that. But instead, they were in this weird middle of like, because even some tracks, I went, well, the singing on this is you know better than the last five tracks, or the bass playing on this song is actually decent, or the guitar playing on this is actually good. But like, never on any song did all four members of the band ever click to be. And I gotta say, my least, my favorite song on this album is the one outlier that I'm sure you guys probably listened to this album and you went, "Well, this is gonna be Jeff's favorite song." And it's the one with like the drum machine machine and the keyboards. I knew it it. because I went, "Well, finally, at least a drum machine can fucking keep time." (laughs) Like, you know, like for real. And and that drum machine track, I went, I thought, "Well, yeah, this is the best singing that Paul Westerberg's done on this album." Like note for note, as a singer. But Instead there, of just being like, I'm a drunk fucking asshole. Oh, but there like, in, but therein lies the the right. Like, and that the, track is called what? Within that, your reach. Yes. With the flanged guitar and like. Yeah, but that's why that's, that's it's so it's <laughs> so good though because like what other band of that era was putting out a song with a drum machine that was playing in that scene with the flanger guitar? Yeah. It sounds like um like a later Jeff the Brotherhood. But tune. it's the only track right, that has right. any of those elements. Right. Which is the why it's the one the one I liked. But mm. that's where this band would grow and be a yeah. better band. This is just the first. Yeah underlinging of yeah. it you know what i mean that, that song i was like throw this I, album I, out that song came on i went oh good this band could be like depeche mode instead of these fucking like a depeche bad Chode. a bad <laughs> a bad motley crew cover band <laughs> like yeah that's what i feel like this record is like has all the debauchery of motley crew and all the with like, none of the production value basically yeah it all of the flair and like attitude of the germs so, uh, which again, like, that's, but again, I can't though, listen to music where I go, yo, man, not for nothing, but you got to fucking know how to play your instrument. Like, I'm not, yeah, in, and I, I'm, I like I'm not into the, vir- I, I don't like virtuosic, like, fucking noodly and knowing every scale and all this. Yeah. Like, that stuff I don't get into because that's like, yeah, you practice notes, but what emotion are you getting out? But then the other shit, the other end of the spectrum where they go, it doesn't matter what you know how to play, man. It's just getting those feelings out. It's like, yeah, but you can't even strum a fucking G chord. So what are we talking about? But I I don't know, man. I like it. I like Uh, it. Some people spray paint on the side of the building and some people shit hangs up in the Smithsonian, you know? Yeah, Sometimes I want to watch. literally smear shit on the sidewalk. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's what I'm saying, dude. And it's all art, dude. Yeah, I th- see. That's my thing. I I don't know. I, maybe it's because I am like I I have a romantic view of music, but there's just something for me that is just so compelling about not, an artist. Who no, you doesn't have give a shit. You have a mu- romantic view of the musician lifestyle, not the music. You yeah. like you like the like the lead up into the music. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is not like Listen, this wasn't a band that I'm, practiced I'm and got respo- ready. I'm a responsible homeowner, but don't <laughs> right. get it twisted. Don't See, get it twisted. <laughs> like for me too, it, it's not it's not the junkie worship. It's yeah, the I yeah. would watch clean people bang on their instruments just as like ravenously. Yeah, right, me too. Right, I right. I would too. But that's a, that's the thing. It's like the self sabotage of these guys being so into their own addiction that 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 stops them from actually being a good band to me because musically i i listen to this and i go well yeah if you guys laid off the sauce maybe this record would actually be worth listening to yeah but see i'm i'm a i'm a guy i'm a guy who loves you know like i i love like the drunk jim morrison era of the doors you know what i mean it's just that it's that gross gritty grimy bloated disgusting it's not right but it's not right no no no. and i'm not and i don't i i 
don't get it twisted. You're not like, advocating I'm not, for anything. I am it's not just advocating for yeah. anything like that. Yeah, no, for for sure. Like, you know, man, like, you know, drink water, not booze. Like, let's be yeah. real. Or liquid death if you want. <laughs> shout if you out. Wanna We're trying to get that sponsorship. Also, shout out to Master P, Rap Snacks. Get ahead of us. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know. It's I just a, have this thing. I just I love it. I love I love. Yeah. The gross, gritty. It's also like the um. It's like the it's like the drunk guy like, uh, authors. It's the same. It's the same thing. Right. Right. To me, right, it's right. like the same thing. It's the you, Hunter S. Thompson. It's the yeah. You it's know. the William Burroughs, right? Like the the difference to me is I can read those guys' stuff. This I was just like I hope I never have to listen to this kind of music again. <laughs> The replacement. The replacement. The replacement. That's my. That's my review. We're gonna, two words. Two two word review. We're gonna Shit make. Sense. We're gonna make Jeff uh, listen long, to "Please to Meet Me Later," and he'll the, be like, oh, "I think I kind of like the that longest one. thirty-four minutes of my life." Yeah. Um, all right. So moving on to your third pick. Third pick. If we if we may, uh, California band. Yep. So we're going. We're moving out of the Midwest. We're going to the West Coast. We're going to the West Coast. We're going to San Pedro, to. Find the Minutemen, and we're going to talk about their second full-length album, What Makes a Man Start Fire, released on SST Records. Also, side note, I did look it up, and the influence behind the name yes, has is, nothing to do with the fact that they have short songs. I was going to fill you in on that. On well, expand. Well, then go ahead. Hit yeah, well, I don't know. Luke's history quarter. I really don't know what the Minutemen was, but I know it's a obscure political reference and has yeah. nothing really to do with the shortness and brevity of the songs that they yeah played. it was like it was the the Minutemen were like a uh, colonial era American militia that the reason why they called them the Minutemen was because they were they could be ready to fight at a minute in a minute's notice kind of thing and that's where it actually came from I thought I thought it was because they just you know oh, no. all killer no filler like let's pump this shit out but then yeah upon further research, University of Massachusetts mascot is the Minutemen oh is it I because, didn't know that yeah. it's near Boston yeah yeah that's where that was ba- Boston sorry so, Boston. Boston. It's near Harvard. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is the first time. I uh, have heard of the Minutemen and I, the members, and uh, I have listened to a handful of songs, but I never sat down for a full album. Uh, this album is 18, 19 songs. It's only 26 minutes long. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was the, like... I really like this. Out of the three, this was easily my favorite Um I just like the stylistic choices. I the band plays tight as a unit as a three piece. Um, it's kind of like driving good drums. It's like lead bass playing, mm-hmm. and then the guitar is either doing like kind of just filler chords. It's doing like some scratchy, like almost percussiony. Yeah, like ticka 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 kind of things, but it's not like overdrive distortion crazy it's actually it's like mostly clean played guitars clean. yeah and and then yeah. like the solos and or the instrumental breaks on the guitar were really good and nuanced and um interesting yeah 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 very interesting and i I've, a did, lot of the guitars atonal as well kind of yeah like, like it had like a primus feel to me at times exactly that's exactly what I thought when I listened to this. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, suddenly Primus makes sense. And and, and it's I like three, so you're yeah. like, whoa, like. And this I is... like that the songs are like a minute to two and a half minutes long. Yeah. And by two and a half minutes, I mean like maybe three songs of the album were that long. Right. The rest are an hour, a minute and fifteen seconds long. Yeah, yeah. And the lyric, short. The lyrical content ends up coming out like somewhat of a haiku. <laughs> Yeah. And like that's what a lot of the music sounds like. It's like a haiku washes over you before you know what they said. It's over, and mm-hmm. the, the next song is starting. Yeah. Um. It also has a lot, like, like a lot to like to borrow from from like jazz fusion. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, yeah. like a jazz fusion haiku. Like mm-hmm. that's and it's born out of like these guys grew up in the seventies. They watched Led Zeppelin and the Who become giant dinosaur bands and. Mm-hmm. They were talented musicians, and they did know how to play their instruments incredibly well. So instead of playing these giant dinosaur-y jazz fusion things, they cut it down and made it intense and fast. And so it has all the fast in-your-faceness of a punk song, but only these three guys could probably play this music like this. That's why there's not another band that ever sounded like this and Mm. probably will never sound like this again. It's the close personal bond and friendship of... Of uh, D. Boo and the singer and Mike Her- um, Mike Watt, Mike Watt on bass. bass and- it's like it's that connection that What's they the have. Drummer's name, the something drummer's name is Hurley. 
I think it might be George Hurley. It is. Yeah. George Hurley, they have like such a unique friendship, especially D Boone and Mike Watt, that like you could tell that they're close. Yeah, because most of these songs were written by Mike Watt, the bass player, but this album, all the lead vocals was D Boone. Whereas other albums, it was kind of like two thirds D Boone on vocals and one third Mike Watt on vocals. Yeah. Um, I I love the sound of this, and this had the classic feel of like every song was in a similar musical palette, like guitar tones and bass tones, but they were different enough to like not just sound like a, a whole half hour of just the same thing. And this was like in classic punk and like old school fashion, like literally recorded in one day and then like two other days they went back and did vocal and guitar overdubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the band's jam Econo, they were like yeah, on, yeah. The, on the short. Did you ever listen to this album called Wire? Yes, by the band wire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was the short songs. Yeah, yeah. That's like the closest thing sure, yeah. I could ever like relate to this. Yeah. But it's it's not really like that at all mm. though cuz that's kind of like straight and driving where this is mm. like all Yeah, and this wasn't like bah, 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 for a minute. This was actually like dun, 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 dun. and it's like like I said the bass is like and then guitar would be like yeah, it wasn't just that straight sort yeah. of driving thing. There was so much yeah. more, like even uh, like in terms of the drumming. Yeah, there was so much more space and also, different sort of rhythmic things that you're kind of some not, Latin stuff. Yeah, you're kind of not. You don't some, really some attribute start it and to stop punk times. Yeah. You know, you don't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the only thing really punk about it is the energy that mm-hmm. it's played with mm-hmm. and the brevity of the songs. Other mm-hmm. than that, it's it's really a it's an out there record. And I, I think the, the lyrics too are more of like the, obviously the intro is Bob Dylan wrote propaganda songs, <laughs> which is like, there are, there are fans of Bob Dylan. I think they're mm. mostly stating that he wrote political songs mm. to make you feel a certain way. And they yeah. were about to do the same thing. Mm. Um, so yeah, the high mindedness of like the, you know, the lyrics and how yeah. they were common people uh, singing about these themes. Yeah. Also very important. Um, yeah, it's just a out there record, and for the punk scene, it's a completely, mm. it's an outlier, and it it's one of those it's one of those bands, one of those records that you get one thing and it goes outwards. Which yeah, so I think the other two records do as well. Yeah, because I listened to it and it it like Jeff had said earlier, like it it gives you these Primus vibes because that bass too, like that bass is mm. so upfront and that tone is. It, it it does sound like Les Claypool mm-hmm. took that bass tone and was like, all right, let me just make this weirder. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But yeah, I th- that's that's immediately when I thought when I listened to this front to back, I was like, oh, I see where I see, mm-hmm. I see how we got to. I don't want to say new metal, but you know what I mean, like the lead up mm-hmm. into the new metal. I think thing. you could even say like this is how we got Tool. Like in some aspects, the bass playing is. Up front, it's the it's the it's driver. energetic. It's the driving. It's the the tone of it as well is really out there, and you know what yeah. I mean. Not yeah. so much in 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 that kind of thing, but but it's... I think that speaks to like when we were talking about Tool, how Undertow's your favorite Tool album. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's definitely mm-hmm. this this that leans more this way than yeah. what Tool yeah, ended just, up doing. And but... very interesting, like not just the notes and tones that remind me of Primus, but like the fact that like because. We all dabble in bass, but you can tell some of the lines are like he's thumbing out notes while also pulling and doing some <laughs> harmonized stuff at mm-hmm. times. It's it's not slappy, but it like jumps around or it's like very like angular and strange. Yeah, but it still is like it makes sense in the song. It's a very yeah. mathematical. It's like almost it's like played like mathy. And did he yeah. play? A P, did he but, play a, a precision bass? I think I that's know. it's a Fender P bass. I think I was gonna say because that's that's kind Fender of guy. that's like the punk. Rock bass is the Fender P bass. Yeah. You know? But even still, like, even when you, like, all right, maybe I'm, you know, I'm talking about our favorite band on the podcast, but, like, even when you listen to Green Day, the. We haven't shit on Green the, Day the on this podcast no, in, like, but, a year. But what it's I'm been saying a long is, is time. that, you know, that when you hear that bass line, that's like, do, 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 Oh, yeah, that's born. That's Mike. Or the No FX guy. Fat Mike. Fat Mike. Yeah, that's. That's like. All born out of the bass And this band is, like, just like Primus is, like, kind of medley kind of alt but also in this just like strange carnival-y like art rock thing this yeah. is much more like art rock but they're minute and a half punk energy diy songs so but this is like if these were if all the songs in this album were stretched into two and a half minutes you would be like this band is closer to like talking heads 
art rock. Yeah, uh, see, that's when I listen but to it. But instead, it's thought, like it just hits you and it's done in a minute, and then it goes on. And you're like, I haven't, I haven't even processed that. Thing yeah, yet. right. And it showed that it's possible to just do a minute and a half long song. You know what I mean? You kind of saw yeah. a resurgence of that. It's completely different music, right? But like, well, like in the early, like, or I'm sorry, like the mid to late 2000s. Um, you had a lot of metal bands who were coming out, and they were like super, super heavy, but super fast songs. Mm. You know, you'd have like a 30-second song. Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, I don't know, I think the Minutemen were that band that's just like, hey, you can do a song that's like a minute long. Well, like, and it's okay. It'd be a full thing. Yeah, yeah right, and it's okay. Yeah, it's like a complete idea. It's yeah, just a these short, not, complete these idea. These are full songs. They aren't like sketches. These are like cool. Like, yeah, the, yeah, that's the yeah. that's the why I really like chose these three records is because they're all in the punk mm. idiom, but they're not. None of these are punk records. No, and not, so, not as punk as we understand it. Right, mm. and so that's why I wanted to choose these and really talk about them because the Minutemen were rejecting punk's original formality in the fact that they played their instruments incredibly well. They were faster. They were better. They wrote in a different style. It's more jazz influence. Yeah. Where you have the replacements where they're coming out and being very hard in their sleeve, writing about their emotions. Like the first album is called Sorry Ma, I forgot to take out the trash. Mm. Like it's that vibe. It's being a youth and kid. And then even the violent femmes being of the folk idiom and cow punk. Um, mm. vibe of bringing in country, yeah, <laughs> country and folk and world music and and being able to <laughs> to bring punk into sorry. that light too, though. So it's yeah. like that's why I like it because punk to me is boring. Like punk in the like nineteen seventy seven to nineteen eighty. Yeah, what we think of is because yeah. after after the original wave, it mm. just because it's derivative. It's very very derivative music. Yeah, it's like we get it. You hate the po- you hate politics, right? Like, it's only so on much now? you know of that. So these bands take that art form and birth out of it and move it in crazy fun directions. Yeah. Um, and these, especially that Violent Femmes record, is like one of my favorite childhood records. So yeah, you know it's a it's um it's a good. Musical front, if for uh, front, if you want to explore outwards from the original, you know, yeah, all the bands that everybody knows. About. Yeah, because I would, I would say my favorite punk band, and it is it is like the one, but that's the Clash, and I like them though because it's like they're punk rock, but it's really like they're a band that did every style, and it was like more influenced by like the sounds of every music in the world rather than just like three chords, fast, angry, like. Yeah. Well, what the Clash had figured out, which I think their other peers were so late and never figured out, was that punk, the punkness of punk, was that you took the the root of that feeling and they could bring it into the reggae mm. and see that there was punk and reggae. Yeah. They could bring it into, you know, like this beat and that beat. Sorry, a cat, a big cat just crawled by that window and caught my hole. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't have a cat. So anyway, sorry. Um, I don't have a cat. Not but, yet. Um, <laughs> Cats just move into Luke's house. Oh my God. What, what were you? I was completely lost my whole trade. I'm you, so sorry. You said That's that okay. the thing that, the Clash adopted early was well, that you could make other styles of music punk, punk or, yeah. or find yeah, the punk. Yeah. And that's what these bands did as well. And that's why the Clash were so successful. That's yeah. why they had you know giant singles later, and the other bands faded out. They kept evolving and kept yeah. changing. And well, that's it's the you... idea. I think that punk is an attitude. It's not necessarily the music. Form. The music, and yeah. I think like everything else, you know, you get like your purists who are like, "Well, this is the format of what this genre is, and you have to stick to the format." But it's like. No, because it's just an attitude, man. Like rock and roll is an attitude. Punk's an attitude. It's it's yeah. It's the constant, it's a worldview and uh, it's and the building off of what came before it to make something better yeah. later. What so. are the three? What are your three favorite punk bands? Uh, the Ramones is my favorite punk yeah. band, hands down. Yeah, um, same here. I guess like the the uh, well, it'd probably be the Ramones. The Bad Brains is probably my okay. second. And oh yeah, then. I mean, like the Misfits, probably my third favorite punk band. Okay. That I same list. Uh, same list. I would say the Clash, Ramones, and honestly, after even just listening to this one record, the, I love the Minutemen. Yeah, the Minutemen. Like yeah. this, this was this was one of the few albums that I've been introduced to in the past month that I was like, oh shit, I might need to go back. I think the best way for me to listen to that album would be like 
start track one, put it on repeat, listen to it like two or three times in a row, then do the same thing for each track so I can like oh, absorb what each song's about. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's a, it's. I almost did that vibe with the yeah. I listened mm-hmm. to it backwards up uh, the yeah. third eye blind. Right, but yeah, right good on. picks. Nineteen eighty three punk picks with Luke. Yeah, uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. All that good stuff. You find us on Instagram, uh, YouTube. We have a Facebook. I don't know why you're looking at me asking me. I don't, I don't know. As I don't have a Facebook anymore. <laughs> so, so. What? so who's doing our Facebook page? I don't know. I thought I signed you guys up as admins. Oh, no. The do pre- you want to do social media Luke. work? Do you want yeah. no money? We've <laughs> made $9 in the past two years. If you're 12, excited. We've made $12 in the past two do years. Do you want $1.50 of that $12? We buy donuts. Yeah. We'll, we'll buy you donuts and dude, a coffee. We'll donut. No, no. We'll buy you a donut. <laughs> And a coffee made in Luke's coffee pot, which we can only describe as flavored. Flavored. Dude, right? I, I seasoned. Like Bro, a, yeah, I cooked like it's a. Like an old, it's like an old I cast that iron shit pan. Out today, before yeah. you guys got here. Well, like, I cleaned uh, it today. Spit shine that. Thing. I make spit a lot of coffee. I still had some pulp in mine. <laughs> if you're an excited person and working, wait, no. If you're looking to work in an exciting new field. Of podcasting for almost no money. The Department of Labor reports that. (laughs) If you want no money and want to hang out with us and edit videos and stuff, contact Get in the Garage on this YouTube page. Yeah, on the YouTube page or hit us up on Instagram or anything like that. You know, we do have an email, getinthegaragepodcast at gmail.com. It's a long one. I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's so many words. I mean. It's what it, it is. is. What it is. I think what we really learned today is that good work isn't cheap, and cheap work isn't good. Here, here. Have a good week of school, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Love see you one next another. time. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.